What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, April 6th. You're listening to the Hustle Daily Show. I'm your host, Zachary Crockett, and I'm here with Rob Litterst. What's up, Zach? And Mark Dent. How's it going, guys? We are posing a big question today. Should Netflix start selling ads? Okay, uh, we know what everyone's answer that's going to be hell no, right? But a lot of analysts think that the time is right for the streaming giant to find a new revenue stream. So we're going to explain why in a bit. Also on tap, drone delivery. We've heard a lot about it, but it's finally making a debut in a big city this week. And Mike Tyson is having some trouble selling his latest weed edibles. Yeah, you heard that right. And there's a really strange reason why. Before we get into that, let's do a quick look at the news. Twitter is appointing Elon Musk to its board of directors. A couple days ago, we learned that Musk bought a 9.2% stake in the social media company. Now, its CEO, Parag Agrawal, and its founder, Jack Dorsey, say that Musk is going to be a welcome addition to leadership as both a passionate believer and an intense critic of the service. Amazon warehouse workers won a historic union vote last week in Staten Island, New York. Now, Amazon's trying to ban words like union, restrooms, slave labor, and pay raise from its internal chat app. An Amazon spokesperson told The Hill that the initiative was an effort to, quote, protect our team. But it also said that it hasn't been put into place yet and it may be reconsidered. Hertz said it is going to purchase 65,000 electric vehicles from Polestar. That's a joint venture between Volvo and Geely, its Chinese parent company. The move follows Hertz's announcement that it would purchase 100,000 vehicles from Tesla. And lastly, a fantasy author just smashed Kickstarter's record for the most funded project in history on the platform. Brandon Sanderson raised an absolutely insane $41.7 million from 185,000 backers for a four-part series. Just for reference, the previous record was $20.3 million for a smartwatch. All right, Rob, uh, so what's going on at Netflix here? So I think this is the rare podcast where everybody that we have here is old enough to remember that Netflix used to be a DVD rental company. Did you guys subscribe to Netflix back in the day when it was a DVD business? I was not a subscriber, but my college girlfriend's parents subscribed. So I remember I'd be over at their house all the time and we had an enormous quantity of good DVDs to watch and it was lovely. That's like the old school version of password sharing. Yeah, totally. I remember renting 40-year-old version on DVD from Netflix and watching it with my parents. That's like my first Netflix memory. That's amazing. And I can't imagine how awkward that viewing experience was. It was bad. Was. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys obviously remember this. Some younger listeners might not. But basically, Netflix subscription model was a massive differentiator when it was a DVD rental business because Blockbuster charged per rental plus tons of late fees. Mm -hmm. If you ever rented movies back in the day, you were probably piling up late fees unless you were really prompt. When Netflix took the leap into streaming, which differentiated it among kind of a wider selection of media firms, it kept the subscription model and it's been stacking up subscribers ever since. But now growth is slowing. And as everybody knows, there's ruthless competition in the streaming wars. And analysts believe the timing is right for Netflix to explore a new revenue stream, advertising. All right. So just just take a quick step back here. How did we get to this moment? So Netflix's historically massive year-over-year subscriber growth is typically been eclipsing 
at least 20% every year for the last few years. Mm -hmm. Since Q4 2020, though, it hasn't hit that 20% mark. In the last few quarters, it's actually been in single digits, which just isn't really keeping pace with what Netflix has grown accustomed to from a growth perspective. A few reasons that could kind of apply there. First of all, people think that the pandemic pulled growth forward a lot, basically pulling forward a lot of subscribers that otherwise would have subscribed potentially over the last few years and made these last few quarters a little bit better looking. Then another reason is Netflix is really nearing North American market saturation. So they have 75 million subscribers across the United States and Canada, where there are 132 million households. They're really kind of maxing out what they can actually do in North America. And then along with that, they have a ton of competition now with some really compelling content. And that's really what the streaming wars are coming down to now is the intellectual property that these streaming platforms own. You've got Disney Plus that obviously is just crushing it with Disney originals, mm. the Marvel movies, all that good stuff. You've got HBO Max, which is doing its prestige dramas and miniseries and all that stuff that they've always done so well. Paramount Plus, Prime Video, and now Peacock. The crazy thing is, even with all these concerns, Netflix has grown from $20 billion in annual revenue to $30 billion. So uh, I don't know if a lot of listeners know this, but Rob, you write a newsletter called Good, Better, Best, and you do a lot of thinking about pricing strategies. I do. There are other ways that Netflix can grow its revenue here besides ads, right? They definitely have options. They are definitely not shy about price raises. They've done that a lot over time, and they've always kind of justified it by adding more value to the subscription, which ultimately means more content and better content, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Another thing they can do is add different types of content and kind of bulk up their IP and their catalog with different types of content to drive in different subscribers. One thing they've been doing that with is gaming. They recently bought mm. three different gaming studios, which could pull in a completely different type of subscriber than the content that they have today. Sure. And then the last one, which I think is the last thing any Netflix subscriber or moocher wants them to do is start policing passwords and ah. ultimately stop letting people share passwords. Some analysts believe this could yield them an additional $1.6 billion annually, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> you know, Mark Dent can pretty easily, you know, pillage a DVD from his ex-girlfriend. Might be a little harder to get that password, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Exactly. She can change it. <laughs> but the thing is, with each of these options, there are some pretty significant downsides. So raising prices obviously can drive churn. And at a certain point, there's going to be a certain level of price elasticity where their subscribers just aren't going to be okay with the price raises anymore. It's also unclear if Netflix and gaming are a fit. So each one of these kind of solutions to their pricing woes has its own set of unique challenges. But of course, you know, the advertising model could ostensibly help with some of Netflix's specific challenges. Definitely. And Netflix isn't totally opposed to it. This isn't a Substack situation where Substack is kind of like ideologically opposed to advertising. Netflix has said in earnings calls that they're not opposed to advertising and it's something that they would consider. And one thing that I think has kind of set the precedent for it is a lot of the streaming services and Netflix competitors that we were talking about earlier do offer ad-supported plans at lower price points and they're growing really fast. There are a few different things that would kind of help Netflix from advertising. First of all, an ad-supported tier would offer price-sensitive subscribers a low-cost alternative. And if it's done right, the user experience wouldn't take a huge hit. So 
you can take TikTok for instance, where a lot of the time the ads are actually TikToks that sometimes go viral, which is pretty amazing. Mm. Another thing they could do, Netflix has really struggled to grow its subscriber base abroad, specifically in India. And one of the biggest reasons is because of price sensitivity. Indian consumers just don't kind of have the same economic tolerance for Netflix subscription prices as North American customers do. And an ad supported cheaper or free plan in India could be a total game changer in that region. Obviously, hiring and building for an ad network would be a pretty massive shift. But as we've been talking about, Netflix is no stranger to pivots. Once upon a time, they did mail out DVDs. And obviously, that's kind of a thing of the past at this point. Sure. I feel like the one big elephant in the room with this is that people hate ads, right? A hundred percent. My personal take on this is like, if they want to do ads, they should do it as a free tier. There's nothing worse in streaming right now than paying for a subscription and still having to sit through ads. Mm-hmm. Like I do the cheaper Hulu subscription and you have to sit through so many ads for anything that you watch on Hulu. And it's just, it feels terrible compared sure. to like every other experience on the internet and streaming. And Hulu's, I guess, parent company, Disney, also owns ESPN Plus, which if you subscribe to ESPN Plus and go on their website, there's still so many ads, which is just mind blowing. Like if you're paying a certain amount per month, you shouldn't have to sit through stupid, like minute long. AT&T ads just to read like a 30 second article. It's it's brutal. And I don't know why I'm still subscribed, but yeah. So Mark, I'm going to turn to you here. You are a Dallasite. Dallasite. Dallasonian. Dallasite, yeah. Some big news in Dallas this week. Alphabet, that's Google's parent company. They've got a drone division and they're coming over to your neck of the woods. That's correct. Yeah. Alphabet's wing division is going to start with some drone delivery service in DFW on April 7th. And that's going to be mainly, I think, just in two suburbs. Um, Not quite where I'm living, but that's okay. (laughs) Their primary launch customer is Walgreens. So they'll be delivering health and wellness products directly to people's homes. Also ice cream from Bluebell Creameries, which is a local Texas company, prescription pet medications and first aid kits from Texas Health. Hmm. So what are the nuts and bolts of this thing? How's it going to work? Well, so Walgreens team members process orders and load packages onto the drones, and they're just sitting out there in a parking lot or on the roof. And then Wing, the part of Alphabet, oversees the delivery from a remote location. And these drones are autonomous, but they're also monitored by pilots. So like if they start flying like to St. Louis or something like that instead (laughs) of Frisco, um, which is one of the suburbs here in, in Dallas, then they can kind of take charge. And they have navigation systems to help prevent accidents. They can't carry anything larger than 3.3 pounds. You're not going to be able to just get like a, a ladder or, you know, something crazy yet. But, you know, Wing has, has done this before. They've trotted this out in some smaller towns in the U.S. and in Australia, in uh, the Brisbane area. They've been doing extensive drone deliveries there. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, drones are one of those things, like, we see this in the news, like, all the time. I feel like every week there's some big announcement about a drone delivery company doing something, but we have yet to see them in the skies. There's a lot of, like, FAA regulations and all kinds of roadblocks for them to get going. It's kind of crazy that this is starting to come to fruition, finally. Uh, it, it, and it really is. And, and I think an interesting thing is that it's it's Alphabet that is doing it. It is not Uber or Amazon that got here first because, right, right. as y'all may remember, I think it was in 2013, that's when Amazon was on 60 Minutes and started talking yeah. about drone delivery 
And uh, I believe Bezos said at the time that they were going to have it in probably four or five years. We could conceivably have drones dropping off Mm -hmm. our packages. And obviously that was nine years ago. Amazon has just continued to run into snafus. Uh, You know, they've had a lot of layoffs with their drone department. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of got into some agreements with the FAA over the last couple of years. It's really taken quite a while. I, I think we were all kind of both fearing and looking forward to, in some ways, this future of like a of a flying contraption dropping mm-hmm. off a box on our front door or in our backyard, because that's what Wing is going to do. It looks like they're doing backyards because it, it is. I think it will look really cool and yet also very dystopian and also probably going to take away people's jobs. So there's just so mm-hmm. many different uh, things that could be converging now and th- that we thought would for a long time. Wow. Yeah, it seems like Bezos got a little preoccupied with going higher than a drone. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited for somebody to finally figure out how to hack these drones so that they can steal people's Bluebell ice cream. Because if I know Texans, (laughs) people love their Bluebell, and that is going to happen. Yeah, it'll have to be like a new kind of class of like porch thief, you know? Right. Uh, Just much more (laughs) better organized and higher tech. All right, well, speaking of uh, going high... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mike Tyson, you know, he started a weed company a few years back. It's called Tyson 2.0, and he's been really moving aggressively into this space. But some recent news here, he's been banned from selling his edibles in Colorado. And um, there's a really strange reason why. So I'm sure we all remember back in 1997, Mike Tyson had this famous boxing bout where he bit off a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those just iconic sports moments. Well, flash forward 20 years, Mike Tyson has this weed company now. And one of his products is this tin of edible gummies that are shaped like human ears. With a bite taken out of them. With right? a bite they taken out of it. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. In Colorado, it's apparently illegal to sell marijuana edibles that are shaped like human body parts. <laughs> what? There's a 2016 state law that says that the Marijuana Enforcement Division in Colorado prohibits the production or sale of edibles in the shape of a human, animal, or fruit. And, you know, this law was put into place to detract children from being attracted to these gummies as maybe like kind of a multivitamin or something. I don't know why human body parts fall into that category. Um, Seems to make more sense with like fruits or gummy bears or something, not things shaped like ears with bites taken out of them. But I can't imagine any sort of heart of of a human or anything that looks like a human would be really attractive to a child who just wants like a gummy bear. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they have like cannibalistic children out there in Colorado. I don't know. But it did get me thinking like about kind of other weird laws that are antiquated or that are in place across America that affect commerce and small businesses in really strange ways. So I looked into this a bit, and there are, there are a couple that stood out to me here. In Hawaii, twins cannot legally work at the same company. Uh, <laughs> what? That's a law that exists. In Harper Woods, Michigan, it is illegal to paint sparrows and sell them as parakeets. <laughs> and this is my favorite. Uh, in Lee County, Georgia, it is illegal to sell peanuts after sundown on a Wednesday. <laughs> Like the first thing that comes to mind is like something must have happened for these exactly. laws to go into place. Yeah, and yep. now I'm so curious, like what the rationale is for these. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, exactly. Like someone at some point in time must have painted a sparrow uh, <laughs> and tried to sell it as a parakeet. And that's why that law exists. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to hunt down some of those stories for a Sunday email or something. Yeah. And you, you definitely don't want to be out there on the streets when people are slinging peanuts after sundown. That's for sure. Especially on a Wednesday. Yeah. And one more for you, Mark. Next okay. time you're back home in Kansas, just 
if you ever get a hankering to ride in a hot air balloon, just be aware that you're going to have to pay a hot air balloon tax. Oh, wow. So I, I should probably definitely take my hot air balloon ride in Texas uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> away yeah, from that, these regulations. Yeah, that's a Kansas thing. They're minting money off of those hot air balloon taxes. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Bailey Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at thehustle.co. Maybe one of these days you'll see a story about parakeets and uh, Harper Woods, Michigan. (laughs) So look out for that. (laughs) We'll catch you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. 